Welcome to Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispawn. Today I'm talking with Kristen Zhivago, president and founder of Zhivago Partners, a digital marketing agency. Kristen has been helping CEOs and entrepreneurs increase their revenue for decades. Check out the episode here. Kristen discussed the importance of living in the truth, how to navigate the skepticism swamp, and her find it, face it, and fix it approach to business and life. I hope you enjoy. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me today. If we can, just you know, to get things started, maybe tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and really what you're working on today. Today, I run a, an agency I founded in 2017. Uh, it's called Zhivago Partners. And uh, we called it that because I partner with specialists all over the country and those are our team members. And then we have clients that we partner with. Um, we just, we really do outsourced marketing department management for these guys. Um, we work with B2C and B2B companies, do websites, social, uh, SEO, content marketing, email marketing, all of the digital stuff. Um, I've been in tech for decades started out selling machine shop tools when I was 17. I was, as far as I know, I was the first woman in the country to do that. Wow. They just gave me a catalog and I was wearing a mini skirt and, you know, I got into the machine shops, but I learned very quickly that if you don't know what you're talking about, you're not going to sell very much. So that was a life-changing experience. I remember standing in the parking lot and thinking, I'm going to learn everything I can about sales and tech. Uh, and I've been doing that ever since. So my husband and I opened a um, digital, or sorry, a, uh, an ad agency in Silicon Valley back in the day. And we did that for about 12 years. We were super successful. And then uh, everybody got a Mac. And I said to my husband, they're all going to go in house. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we should stop doing this. And why don't you retire? He used to make things. He was an inventor. And um, so he did. He was our graphics guy. I just started being a revenue coach. So I helped CEOs and entrepreneurs make more money by understanding what their customers want to buy and how they want to buy it. And I've been doing that ever since. Outstanding. You know, and it's, it's interesting. We had a, a prior guest that was in graphic design and he made the same comment when the Mac came out. Initially, he was like, oh, this is just a fad. This is going to pass. But then he very quickly realized <laughs> yeah. that it wasn't. And it put him on a, a very much a different career path for quite some time. Then he finally circled back to, to the art and the graphic design. But it's interesting to see that impacting so many people. And you know, I would imagine that throughout your career, whether it be in tech, as a revenue coach, in the ad agency, you've come across a, a lot of interesting people and probably a lot of folks that are great communicators, maybe some not so much. So, so when you hear this term of communication skills or somebody is a strong communicator, they're effective communicator, they're persuasive, whatever it may be, what comes to mind for you when you hear that somebody is a great communicator? Truth. If you're not speaking the truth, it's not going to work. I think it's harder. Well, maybe it isn't harder to out the people who are um, misleading, but when someone finds out that they've been misled, they never want to talk to you again. They don't want to do business with you. They're, they're disappointed. So you really do have to start with the truth, no matter what, and just, and learn to deal with it, learn to communicate it, learn to live with it, 
learn to be comfortable with it because the truth can be very uncomfortable sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, especially if you've made a mistake or something, but you know, we all make mistakes. My team members often tell me that it's so weird working here because I've purposefully made this a safe place for nice people to work. And they've worked in places where either the boss encouraged them to lie, which they weren't comfortable with, or the boss lied him or herself. And they, they, there was a lot of cover up in previous jobs. And we don't do that. If we mm -hmm. make a mistake, I immediately own it. I don't necessarily blame the team member. I take responsibility myself and say, we blew it. This is what we did. My husband had this saying, find it, face it, fix it. And so we would just, if whatever it was, we would face up to it. We'd find it, you know, would come to light. And then we'd just face it and fix it. And we would tell the client how we're doing that. And the clients really appreciate that. I have clients that have stayed with me for 20, 30 years in, in spite of all my reinventing of myself, <laughs> opening different businesses and such, because they know they're going to get the truth from me and then I'm going to work really hard for them. That's fascinating. I think that this idea of truth really is one of the bedrocks of effective communication, not, not communication, so to speak, but really truly effective communication is this idea that people can trust you and they trust you when you bring the truth, you're authentic and you own up to those mistakes. You know, you take accountability. I think that there's an expression, and I don't know if it was attributed to Warren Buffett or whatever, that you know, it takes decades to build your, your brand, to build your reputation and seconds to destroy it. And one of the quickest ways to do that is to not be honest, not to be truthful with people. You, you see, unfortunately, a lot in the sales environment where oh, yeah. whether it is just people are, are greedy and they're trying to earn more or they're under pressure from you know, a, a, you know, the leader with their thumb on them trying to hit a number that they stray outside of those lines. And it's a recipe for disaster. And you know, I, I love how you mentioned that you, you've created this environment where it's, it's a safe space. And, and, and I'm assuming maybe you can elaborate more, but where it's safe to fail, right? It's, it's, it's okay that this happens. And I think when you create those environments, that's where you're going to be, have people that are comfortable being honest and working in the best interest of your clients. Yeah. It's interesting about safe to fail. I think most of the lying comes from fear mm -hmm. rather than greed. There's more, much more greed in the movies than there is out there in the real world. And in fact, as I've helped clients sell to into big corporations, I tell them because I have done rent to VP jobs when I was a revenue coach, I would go in and turn around marketing and sales departments for big corporations. And the first thing I noticed was that I had to calm myself down by about 80% <laughs> because they couldn't handle the entrepreneurial energy. And the second thing I noticed was when you first got there, they sort of gave you this little whiteboard, this invisible but not really invisible whiteboard that hung around your neck. And every time you made a mistake, a little black mark got on your whiteboard. And in the corporate environment, those black marks are never forgotten and they're never forgiven. And so if you end up with a whole bunch of black marks on your whiteboard, after a while, nobody pays any attention to what you say. It's very sad, mm -hmm. but that's what happens. So people will do anything to avoid those black marks on their whiteboards. And so there's a fear of embarrassment, a fear of making the wrong decision. 
And people selling into the B2B corporate environment have no idea. They, they, they tend to ignore this fact that that's what's actually driving the sale, which is why price often ends up being something big because the person wants to be able to go into the CEO and say, I saved $20,000 on this deal. You know, that's a big, right. no, that's not a black mark on your whiteboard. So um, I think that's the main thing is just understanding that it does come from fear. And I have to say something about salespeople. I call myself a recovering salesperson because I'm, I'm naturally able to sell. I've been selling since I was a kid. You know, I used to sell rocks in the neighborhood, believe it or not. And very kind women who answered the door would, would buy them from me. I had no idea at the time that it was because they were so kind. It had nothing to do with the, the goodness of me or the rocks. Um, but anyway, uh, so I'm a recovering salesperson. And what I mean by that is that I know that you get into sales. One of the reasons you get into sales is because you like the security of knowing a lot about something mm -hmm. and being the expert in that particular area. And so you don't want to be caught out not knowing something and you don't want to be, you don't want to be negative in any way. The problem is the whole selling thing doesn't work anymore because the customer can go online and find out 80, 90% of what they need to know, even from other customers. And by the time they come to you, they're, they're, they just have a couple of very specific questions left. And they don't want you to do your whole pitch. Mm -hmm. They've seen the whole pitch. So they just want that tiny little bit. And so one of the tricks with selling is not to sell, but to make it easy for them to buy by completely understanding, okay, they just have questions for me. I need to give them the answer. And if I don't know the answer, I'll say, I don't know. And I'll find out for you and I'll get back to you tomorrow or something. So that's something that all salespeople need to learn now because the, the normal pitch and push and aggression and commission and all that stuff, it's not working. Sale, the customers are completely over it. I mean, like for 10 years now. Yeah, that is huge from, from a salesperson's perspective to be comfortable enough to say, you know what? I don't know. Let me get back to you. That is so much better than winging it and perhaps mm. giving them something that's wrong. And then you have mm -hmm. to go back and say, oh yeah, what I told you was wrong. It's going to be X, Y, and Z. So getting to that point where you feel comfortable to say, I don't know. I don't know. Now, hopefully you're not saying that to every single question and you're prepared and you're ready to go. Yeah. That's important. And you know, I think really understanding where that client is at when you're meeting with them, you know, because you know, from a from a sales leadership perspective over a number of years, I'd be in meetings with reps where they immediately jump in. They want to tell them all about the company, all about this, all about the features, benefits, all that stuff. And, but yeah, you know, I know all that, you know, I used you at a different organization, whatever. They just want to know these couple little things. So if you really focus those conversations in on, you know, I'm prepared to talk about all of this today, but I want to find out, Kristen, what's most important for you for our time today so we can make the exactly. most Exactly. That's a really good place to start. It, it, it's a novel approach, but it's surprising how often it doesn't happen, you know, where people just want to dump all their information because it almost kind of goes back to the, the power dynamic of, you know, I have all this information, I've learned all this, now I'm going to give it to you. But quite honestly, today, most people already have that. It's on the website, it's on social media, all that stuff. And from referrals, now that is, that's. It's also a control thing. And um, I think when I hit 50, I got over myself when, in terms of control. Mm -hmm. You're not in control of that conversation. They are. 
And your job is to let them be in control of it so that you don't bore them to tears by going backwards and talking about stuff they already know. And as you were saying, if you do say something wrong, nine times out of 10, because when you're selling to them, you're playing, they're playing poker. They're not going to tell you what they're really thinking. Mm -hmm. So I can't tell you how many times a salesperson has blown it and said something to me that made me think, oh man, I'll never do business with this company. You know, maybe the salesperson is negative or, or gossiping about management mm -hmm. or complaining about management or something like, oh, well, they won't let me do that, you know, which really makes management look bad. And that makes me not want to work with them. But I don't say, well, actually I do because I train salespeople, but I, I can, I feel sorry for them. But the normal customer doesn't say, you just blew it. I'm not going to buy from you. They just go on with the conversation and shake hands and everything's nice and happy. And the salesperson calls it to the boss and says, I'm going to make a sale. This went really well. And they don't know that the customer is just going back to his computer and starting over again. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, it is. It's, it's important. Like you said, focus in on the customer, be honest and be willing to say, I don't know. I think if you could just work on those three yeah. things yeah. from a salesperson's perspective, <laughs> yeah. That's your, the your recipe. career tra trajectory is going to be so much better. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So, so we, we've hit on a few things, but if you think of you know, the environment that, that we're in today, whether it's a salesperson, data analyst, whatever it may be, just within a, a business setting, what are maybe two or three additional skills that we haven't hit on that are, you think, really crucial, communication skills that are really crucial to be able to operate effectively in today's work environment? Everybody's going to roll their eyes at my first answer, which is you can't have typos. You can't have grammatical errors in your emails that you send out to people or even your texts. And I know that's just, sac I mean, sacrilegious <laughs> You know, I, once you get to know somebody, yes, of course, you can say the letter U instead of you and things like that. But when you're selling to someone and you're basically in the business of making them comfortable with what you know and how good you are, they're judging you. There's no other way around it. They are testing you. They want to see if they can trust you with their business. And again, they're trying to avoid that black mark on their whiteboard. They don't want you to send an email to them and CC the CEO because he was interested or she was interested in the answer and have a big bunch of errors in there. Then the CEO or whoever is going to look at it and say, who the heck is this person? Why did you hire them? So this whole, it's really sad because um, I don't think the schools do a great job anymore of teaching that, that grammatical stuff. But it's really important. I mean, in my second book, I had one typo in, I don't know, 300 pages. And it was about, it was a, it was a, a URL in the footnote that should have been au.au for Australia. And it was .com. My bad. I read that book 17 times and I hired five different proofreaders to make sure that I was <laughs> going to be eating my own dog food and not having typos in there. But it really does ruin all credibility. And it's also one of the ways that you can tell a legitimate email mm -hmm. versus a spammy one or a scammy one just by the typos. You can say, oh, this isn't from FedEx. Look how they signed off at the bottom, you know? Mm -hmm. 
So it's really important to pay attention to that. And it's all learnable. It's stuff you you can so easily now look up on Google. You know, how do I spell this? What's the correct way to say this? And you really ought to have somebody looking at your stuff for a little while if you're not sure about it and just pointing out things. Because typically the typos and the grammatical errors are repeat errors where nobody's called you on it and you keep doing it. So that's, that's one thing that I think people really need to understand. The second is the email communication is not like the spoken communication. You know, you can say something in jest and I could say something to you right now and it could be a little joke mm -hmm. and you would get it because of the inflection in my voice or however I'm looking at you or whatever. But in an email and printed stuff, people actually read through their own filters. I used to laugh with my husband because I would say something to him like, well, I don't think that's a good idea. And that's how I would say it. Mm -hmm. And he would hear, because I'd call it a wife filter. He would hear, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> and so they read your content through their own filters. And they're suspicious of salespeople because salespeople have a job, which is to quote, sell you on mm -hmm. their solution. And that makes you suspicious because you just keep wondering, is that really the truth? Am I getting the whole story? You know, so they're coming in. I used to call it the skepticism swamp. You're selling in the skepticism swamp and you really have to understand that and be totally courteous and calm, you know, no shouting, no big caps. And, and no, no sort of off the top emotionalism. People are very suspicious of that. They don't, they think you're a wild card and they won't be able to trust you. I think those are fantastic points, especially coming from a communication skills training organization, you know, you know from our perspective, right? Especially for us, if we were to put out messaging proposals, you know, mm, emails that are absolutely. going out on our website and there's typos, yeah, really looks bad. So that's something that we are hyper aware of. But as you mentioned, it, it can really hurt that credibility going out. And I think, you know, especially going from a salesperson's perspective, you hit on it a little bit with the idea of copying in a CEO or someone like that. You're, if, especially if you're working in the B2B space and you're working on large, complex deals. One of the things that always really needs to be in the back of your mind is the person on the other side, the buyer, so to speak, that I'm working with, the, the owner of this project. Oftentimes their career could be on the line for this. You know, if they're investing hundreds of thousands or millions or tens of millions of dollars of their organization's funds into your solutions, and it doesn't go well because of miscommunications or just not rolled out effectively, that's that's their neck on the line. So oftentimes they need that reassurance or want that reassurance that they're working with solid professionals. And a great way to do that is through your communication. And as you mentioned, when you put it in, in black and white, whether it's on paper or digital in emails or text, the tone, the inflection, some of the context is, is gone. And some five people could read a statement and come away with five different things. So you absolutely always think about how would this be received by others? Now that is, I love it. Kristen, you've mentioned you throughout your career, you know, working in, working in tech with startups, with founders being, uh, I think you said the, the first female to sell machine tools at 17, leading your agency now. What are some of these skills that, that you really attribute to your career success? If you had to narrow it down and say one or two, these are probably the most, most critical things. 
Well, I go back to that truth thing again. People want to give money to people they trust and that will take good care of them and their their investment. They don't want to be disappointed. So I do everything I can with all my people. Everybody knows that, first of all, we don't work with any jerks. So that's one of the reasons this is a safe place for nice people to work, because there's no jerk. There's no diva standing there with hands on hips and making things harder. My definition of jerks and divas is that they make things harder for everybody. I don't care why. I don't care how. It doesn't matter to me what their psychological issues were that led them to do that. But actually being a jerk is a decision that you make early in life when you start dealing with public situations like daycare or kindergarten or whatever. And you are subject to the usual not so nice things that happen where, you know, they call it bullying now and they did back, back in the day, but it's just when somebody is rude to you and your feelings are hurt and you have to decide, how am I going to handle this? Am I going to be nice and figure it out and take it gracefully? Or am I just going to make life harder for everybody else and, you know, and be the jerk. So jerks know who they are. Uh, I have a little test that I use to figure out, and I'm not going to say what it is, um, but I do have a little test and it helps me understand right away if someone's a jerk. And so, and, and I've even had a client, I had a client I had to drop because that client was great, but he hired a diva and everything started going downhill. And my best people were just, all oh, my people are my best people, but my, the people working on the account were right just so frustrated. We can't, you know, we tried to get in this. She answered this. She said that, and, oh, geez, you know, it's all confusing. And suddenly the machine wasn't working. And I had to go to the client and say, I'm sorry, but, and I'm not going to say it's her or us because you've hired her and that's fine, but you're on your own. I, mm -hmm. I can't, I can't bring this, this energy into my organization. So I think the main thing first is just being someone that other people can trust and, and having a genuine concern for their welfare. My people know I love them. My people know I'll do anything to help them. I'll, I'll be available at, you know, at any hour to, to answer questions. And if something is just the slightly slightest bit wrong, I'm going to focus on it. And we're going to fix it. They know that. And my clients know that. And if you're that kind of person, See, I think communication is more about character mm -hmm. than it is and your behavior than it is about communication rules and specific outside of the grammatical stuff, which sure. is very much rule based. But the essence of it is caring for people and being a comforting kind of person that that takes care of other people. Everybody knows if you care about them or not. I mean, babies know that from the very beginning, mm -hmm. they start to know that, you know, Aunt Tilly always says, oh, you're so cute. And she mm -hmm. pinches their seat, but it hurts. And so some somewhere in there, that's not, they don't like Aunt Tilly anymore. <laughs> and you learn that very early. Who can I trust? And so these are deeply ingrained traits of human beings where they can ascertain quickly that you care about them or you don't. And if you don't really care about them, you shouldn't be in, in mm -hmm. a field where you're working with people. You should go.
go be a scientist or an engineer or something. And, you know, and, and there's very nice engineers. I married one. Um, I love engineers, but they're not by nature social animals. They're, they're more about things than they are about people. And so they don't belong in a situation where they're working with and helping people all day long. Yeah, I think it's, you know, and we work a lot uh, on our side from communication skills with, with scientists, with engineers, because you're brilliant, great at the job. But when it comes to conveying the message, oftentimes there is an opportunity for improvement there. But you know, I love what you said. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yes. As that was very nice. You, as you said, this idea, your communication is, is about the character. It's about your character, not necessarily the characters on the page, so to speak. And I think that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's really Im- important to know because you could have maybe all the right words, but if you are not backing them up with your actions, there be, there's that disconnect. And then that's what's going to break down the trust. And I think where a lot of people miss the mark, whether it is when they move into people leadership roles or they're in a business that's serving customers is it's, it's not about you anymore. It's about the others, right? You know, from, from a people leader, from a business leader right now, the world is about the clients. How do we best serve them? And it's about my people. How do I best take care of them to help them to be successful? Whatever that may mean for them. For some people, it's climbing the ladder and continue to get promotions. Other people, it's just making more money. Other people just feeling safe and secure in their job. So it's really understanding it's not about me, it's about you. And then communicating that based on what you know about the person, the client, the solution, the problem that they're trying to solve. Absolutely. Yeah, that was very well put. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, and I have to say, after hearing all of that, I have to say that that one of the things that's kind of messing everybody up right now, especially people new to the workplace, is the social media aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, the abbreviation for social media is so me. It's so me, it's so about me. And I know, I know, I know. There are thousands maybe millions of people out there. Um, There's all these women doing TikTok videos and making $17,000 a month and stuff like that. And that's fine if that's what they wanna do. But when you are out in the working world and you are working with people and trying to give them what they need, it can't be so me. Mm-hmm. It has to be just like you just said, it has to be so them. It's all about them. And people would say, well, what about taking care of yourself? And I have to say the most satisfying thing to me, I mean, I'm actually in business. I finally figured out when in my twenties that I want to help people realize their dreams. And I ended up doing it the way I do it because I love entrepreneurs. I love engineers. I love people who invent things and, and try to make something better. And they have a dream and I'm trying to help them realize it. And the big stumbling block is just what you said. There's a, there's an opportunity for improvement (laughs) in the communication area. And so I've been trying to help them with that for years and years. And I love it. It's the most satisfying thing. When the leads start coming in, when people start recognizing the importance of whatever it is they've developed and they start getting customers, man, that's good stuff Mm because the company grows, people have jobs, you know, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Capitalism when done with compassion and caring is one of the best things in Mm -hmm. the world. 
I never really thought about it the way that you had just mentioned this idea of, you know, trying to take care of yourself as a leader. And I do think it's important to, you know, to be healthy and get sleep and stuff, all those things, absolutely. And I do that myself. But as I think back from, you know, the time, especially I'm traveling a lot, you know, going back and forth time zones and jet lag and long days and, you know, all over town and Ubers and taxis and everything, you're exhausted, but just when, when it clicks, when you have that one-on-one with someone on your team and, and then the, you see the light go off and they, they get really excited or they close the big deal or you're with a client and a project rolls out and they start to see the ROI from it. You know, it, it, that's when you know that you're in the right role is when that just drives you and gets you so excited and kind of keeps you moving through it. So I, I think that's you know, a good test for that is, are these the things that are getting me excited and energized to keep going? So Kristen, so if you think throughout your career, you know, who has been somebody that has you know, perhaps impacted your communication style? And what did you take from them that, that you kind of made your own? I'd have to say my husband, we were together 45 years. He fought cancer, fatal cancer. He beat fatal cancer three times, but the fourth time got him. And he actually took his life finally because, and even though we were in love to the last day, I mean, we were very happy together, but um, he just, he didn't want to die the the way that the lung cancer was taking him. And he was almost gone anyway. Mm -hmm. So he finally did, you know, his ex-Marine decided, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that was back in August. Uh, And I'm doing pretty well. I can say that without crying now, which is pretty good. Um, But he really taught me. See, now I am going to cry. The the power of truth, the power, because he was an engineer, he was an inventor, Mm -hmm. and he was very no nonsense. Everything was it, it wasn't it isn't black and white. I don't like that term. It was more it was just reality. It was just plain old reality. And, you know, I would sometimes like dance around the truth because I wanted to please him. And I I was you know, he was an adventuring guy. So we did. I mean, we had a 48 foot boat built in South Africa and sailed it home together. OK, so he was wow. kind of a big adventure guy. Um, and that was after his first battle with cancer. Um, he really just lived in the truth. And I just came to realize how important that was. And I started applying it to my life and my business and my management skills and just everything. It's just, it, it started really affecting my whole life and everything got easier, even though it was harder in some ways, Mm -hmm. because the truth is always, sometimes it's embarrassing you made a mistake or, you know, just the truth can be really hard, but it's always the best way. It's always the way that ends up being the thing that makes you say, I'm glad I did that. That was good. And, And you end up having a no regret life. Even though my husband ended up doing what he did, and honestly, the last thing I said to him, not knowing what he was just about to do, was, you've never disappointed me. And it's true. He never had. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Just, I mean, it's beautiful what you've taken from him, and it sounds like an amazing man that you had so much fun together. 
definitely so sorry for your loss, but it just, you know, as you share that, it's just the importance of living life. And, and I think when you come from a place of truth and sincerity, that's the best way to do it. And for what you're doing today is you being able to honor him through that with how you operate your business, how you work with your clients and how you live your life. So thank you so much for sharing that. Is, that was beautiful. So as we wrap up here, Kristen, any, any closing thoughts that you'd like to share? Perhaps somebody that is you know, new to the business world, maybe they're making a, a career pivot you know, as they're thinking about their own set of skills, how they can improve or what maybe they should be, be focusing on. Any, any final thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, for somebody in that frame of mind, I do a lot of question answering on Quora. People ask questions and I'm in an entrepreneurial group, so I get a lot of questions. And I notice that so many of them are based on things like, this is what I heard and is that true? You know, is this how it works? Or what are the five things that entrepreneurs need to be careful of? Or, you know, they're sort of coming into it like there's going to be a rule book and a, and a test at the end of the day. Yeah. It isn't like that at all. It's people. It's taking care of people. It's finding a need and then filling it. I mean, again, you know, growing up in tech and looking around, I used to be a headhunter. So after I did the machine shop thing and all that, I ended up being a tech headhunter for about five years in Silicon Valley. And I interviewed hundreds, a hundred, don't know, probably thousands of engineers in, in that time. And then I would go to the companies where they worked and understand. And I, then I would very carefully place the right person in the right job. And I really enjoyed that work. I didn't like the people in the business, but, mm. but I liked the, uh, that whole other process. And I really, I, I knew that these guys who I really liked had a, had a problem that they couldn't communicate properly. And that it was just going to ruin the whole thing for them. It made the difference between some good idea that some guy came up with that never went anywhere versus something that took off. Mm -hmm. And it's powerful, but it really does. I mean, years later now, having gone through all the experience, I've worked with hundreds of companies. I've interviewed thousands of their customers. I have a lot of experience doing this. And I can tell you absolutely 100% it's not about rules. It's not about some secret formula, you know, the magic bean. It's about seeing the human beings in front of you, understanding what they're struggling with, finding it out, being a detective, find it, face it, and then figuring out how can I help these people? What could I do that maybe nobody else is doing or people are not doing it well? I mean, you look at Steve Jobs, People talk about what a genius he was, and he was a genius, mm -hmm. but he spent the first half of his days going into Apple stores and talking to customers, and nobody ever talks about that. And then he'd yeah. spend the mm -hmm. second half of his day trying to get his product people to give the customers what they wanted. He did that. That's why he was so successful. That's why his products, that's why Apple can charge so much more for their products, even to this day. So to me, that's what it's all about. That is fantastic. I think a great way to wrap up is take care of people. And you know, that means a number of things, 
But I think at the end of the day, if you are truthful, genuine, and take care of people, regardless of what you're doing, you're going to be successful. That Kristen, is correct. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks. A special thank you again to my guest, Kristen Zhivago, for not only sharing her business expertise, but some pretty amazing advice on the importance of living a no regret life. And some of the things that she shared around how to do that really focus in on taking care of people, don't work with jerks, live in the truth, and be very clear with your communications. I hope you enjoyed this episode and took away a few pieces you can incorporate into your own communication style. If you enjoyed it, I highly encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified of new episodes. Thanks and have a great day.